0: And what's up, Gamecock Nation? We are live, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, or you could be listening to us after the fact on all the major podcast platforms. Wherever you are, we are glad that you're here. Wednesday episode of the show, as always, brought to you by our good friend, Clint Hammond of the Columbia Mortgage Network. Uh, Clint, great dude, great Gamecock, supporter of Gamecock Central, and a great way if you're in the market for a new house, or maybe you just want to save some money on refinance, hit Clint up. He uh, He's my top mortgage guy. Uh, Even by the numbers, he's one of the top mortgage guys in the entire state of South Carolina. ClintHammond.com, 803-771-6933. His uh, NMLS number is 71597. CHammond at network.com. is how you can shoot him an email. However you contact him, promise you he'll take care of you, let you know what your options are, let you know exactly what that monthly payment's going to be down to the penny. He'll take care of you. So uh, hit Clint up if you're in that market and, like I said, uh, tell him that we sent him that we sent you and he's going to take care of you. Chris, we've now seen what we're, we're at five practices complete for South Carolina. For those who have not been paying attention, we also, we have a little bit of a new feature. I would say that is kind of an extension of our GC live show. After the practices, we've been doing these quick hitters. Um, Kendall Smith, who has done an outstanding job as our new intern has been putting those together for us. Chris, I didn't really know if people, like, what the reaction would be to those, but it's actually been really, really good. So if you if you have not seen those, go to our YouTube or go to GamecockCenter.com on the day of practice, and you'll see sort of our right-off-the-bat initial thoughts from practice. And now, man, I, I spent uh, a little bit of time before we went on air here, man, just sort of trying to think big picture. We, we have at least seen enough of practice to an extent – just start maybe talking about some things we've seen. And you start to hear from players. You start to hear who who's caught their eye, who has maybe popped a little bit in practice. It's hard to start thinking about this unit as like a team yet as far as expectations. You haven't seen enough to like change expectations for this team for this year, I feel like. But you can start to get a feel for maybe some individuals who have stepped up, I think.
1: Yeah, you can. And, you know, there have been some common players that have been brought up by their teammates as having stood out. You know, uh, listening to some of the offensive players, for example, on Monday, Marcellus Dow was a guy that more than one of them brought up. Listening to some of the defensive players, those tended to go a little bit more broad. Hey, everybody's doing a really nice job. That's what we heard from Jamar Brown and some of the other ones. But, you know, some of the receivers gave – the other guys in the room, you know, some props, Marcel's dial again, like I said earlier, that that was a guy that a couple of the receivers mentioned as, as having really stood out. And um, you know, you, you hear uh, yesterday, Mo Kaba couldn't even come up with the name of Zaquandre White first, but knew his number and knew his nickname and was referring to Zaquandre White and talking about some of the battles that they had had out on the perimeter and, and things of that nature. So you are starting to hear some of that trickle out as far as in the players' minds, you know, which guys are having a good camp.
0: Yeah, man. So, obviously, when you're at a practice, everything's flying by like 100 miles an hour. You're trying to figure out a depth chart. You're trying to get an idea of who's doing what, who looks differently. Oh, let me put eyes on a newcomer. Um, what's the depth chart look like uh, on offense? What's it look like on defense? Um Luckily, with the video stuff we have been able to have, I've been going back and just watching through the raw video and seeing, you know, is there something that I missed? Is there something that I didn't see when we initially got out there? And there's a position that has been a question mark to an extent, um, but there are a couple of veteran guys at it. That's the linebacker spot. and. You know, that's a position, Chris. I feel like South Carolina has had – you you go back the last, I don't know, five, six years, there's been some really good individual play at linebacker. If you look at a guy like Ernest Jones, before that you go back to – you had T.J. Bronson, Sky Moore. There's been some good, solid players at that position. Uh, Has there been great overall um, linebacker play or depth of strong play at that position? Probably not, in, in my opinion, and probably most people's opinion. So this year, you got a couple of guys, Brad Johnson, who's really playing a true linebacker spot this year, and he's done some of that. Um, and, of course, Sherrod Green, who we man, we've seen some really nice flashes from Sherrod Green throughout his career. It's never all come together with a fully healthy season. And now he, he's playing one of those main two linebacker spots. Um So it actually caught my attention, man. Looking at Brad, I knew he looked slimmed down. And I know you've always been really high on on Brad's ability, his upside. He's dealt with injuries as well. But on one of these plays, it was just a little swing pass out to Marshawn Lloyd. And defense was clearly in man coverage. And I watched Brad flip his hips, run to the sideline, get to his spot, and – cut off Marshawn Lloyd, who we know is a, a very explosive individual. And it's one of those things I didn't, didn't stand out at all when we were there live. But I was like, man, Brad Johnson is moving as well as I have ever seen him move, um, especially being asked to play in space for really the, one of the first times in his career. So I do – you know, it's one play. Don't get me wrong. But we are in the, the land of overanalyzing right now. Um, it would be huge. Let's just say it like this. It would be huge for South Carolina if Brad Johnson and Sherrod Green can have the most healthy, best season they've had in that uniform, and if a guy like Debo Williams can sort of come along at his own pace, be a backup, get mixed in there, learn from some veterans – and then slowly play more as opposed to him or a Mokaba or something like that, having to uh, just go out there and play.
1: Yeah. And I mean, you've got a Mokaba, like you said, Debo Williams, most Mo played a decent amount last year. Debo completely new. You got Damani Staley, who's played a lot of ball around here and came back for a super senior season. You know, I think, Wes, what you're saying is dead on. And, and I, I'm glad you brought up Brad because I had a chance in the preseason media day before uh, practice actually kicked off, I had a chance to go talk with Brad just one-on-one in, in that setting. And he's always been – he's a great kid. Um, his mom done an outstanding job raising him. Um, he's actually got a younger brother, Wes, that he says that we're going to be tracking at Pendleton. He's a freshman. So watch out for that. But Brad's Pat, Brad's path. Interesting. He's a guy that growing up and he was explaining this to me in peewee football. He played offensive guard and nose tackle, you know, uh, remember his senior season of high school. He was a defensive end. He played with his hand on the ground, pass rush, play the run and the shrine bowl that year played Brad Johnson at nose guard. You remember, and he was very disruptive. So, It was very much of a thought that even coming out of high school, that the folks that coached him at Pendleton thought that he was going to be a hand in the ground guy and he would continue getting bigger and bigger. So we saw some of that at South Carolina with him playing Buck early in his career, year one, 2017, probably needed a red shirt, but was forced into action, played some, showed some flashes. Later in his career, had some injuries, was moved to Sam. And so, one of the things I talked to him about during media day was, you know, transitioning from that Sam linebacker spot that's different than a Mike or a Will to playing a Will linebacker. You know, what what are the biggest differences? What are your biggest concerns? And where I naturally went with it, with it was, hey, was pass coverage the biggest adjustment? And he said, yeah, definitely. He said you're sitting out there and you're used to watching an offensive tackle, and he's telling you everything that you need to know versus looking at the entire field oh, God, I've got to cover this line, this uh, running back, this tight end, this receiver. And so he said it was a big adjustment, but he's getting more and more comfortable. And my biggest question was also that, playing in space. But he has shown some of those flashes. He's trimmed down, obviously, and he is a good athlete. I've always still been intrigued by, hey, if he's stuck with a defensive end type position, what could he be? But obviously with a huge need at linebacker, on this team, it, it makes sense, some sense that they moved him there.
0: You know, and I, I think we, we, we've talked about this defensive line. We've talked about that potentially being a strength on defense. Let's be honest, that's defensive line is going to have to be a strength on defense. But if those guys can play to their potential, and I, you know what, we've seen those guys get after the passer at times. Uh, individually, you can go through that entire list of defensive linemen and be like, you know, they have ability to get to the quarterback. The question in the past has been, can they hold up against the run? And if they if they do that, it makes life all the more easy on Brad as he makes this transition, on Sherrod um, Green as he looks to put it all together in his final year. Uh, you know, uh, Debo Williams, who will be sort of trial by fire in the SEC. I, I think Debo, Debo Williams is going to play. like that's He's already out there with the second team as a true freshman. He's going to be on the field. Um, How much remains to be seen. But all all these guys at linebacker, we sometimes forget it's all connected together. And the better that defensive line can keep the offensive line off your linebackers and getting to them in that second level, the better they're going to play. But Brad, I don't know, man. Brad looks, to me, just physically off the hoof, eyeball test, all that stuff. Brad looks like a linebacker now, um, in my opinion. So, we'll, we'll see exactly what that looks like. Logan with a question here, Chris, that actually probably a pretty good segue for us as we're talking linebackers. Jamar Brown, um, dude, it, it kind of seems like Jamar Brown is truly a safety now. Like, you know, it was last year, he before he got hurt, it was, this guy's going to play dime. And it was sort of like, a, it's kind of like a hybrid deal where they're like, you know, he can cover. He'll give us another guy, another athlete on the field when you're trying to match up. Uh, now he, he's out there with the second team at safety. He, uh, he even made a play on the ball. Uh, we talked about that in our quick hitters yesterday. Sort of helped dislodge it uh, from, uh, I believe that was Ortrey Smith. Uh, had a little, uh, I guess, point of contact, both of them going for the ball. Um, he, what, what did you take away from what Jamar had to say yesterday? Uh, I've always liked him as a kid as well. And he's always been a really good athlete. We've talked about this several times already. His strength as a linebacker was coverage. That, that is different than being asked to go play 12 yards off the line of scrimmage, in space, track guys down, all that stuff. Uh, this is probably a work in progress, I would think. But what, what was your takeaway from, from what Brown had to say, man?
1: Well, my mine was honestly, first glance was exactly what you said uh, that, this it looks like he's sticking at safety and kind of one of the more lighthearted and, and kind of funny moments from the press conference was he was asked hey can you kind of break down your progression positionally from when he got to South Carolina and he kind of leaned back and said oh, that's an interesting question so I mean originally you know he got to South Carolina um, I think he was a will backer then he eventually played some Sam and he played some nickel right and then he split some time between kind of the the nickel or the dime rather not nickel I'm see I'm having trouble keeping up with it will all right then he played the the sam linebacker in the dime position and then he also sp- spent some time at safety and he was even talking about how this spring with the new staff he had played some nickel in the spring missed some time in the spring due to due to injury and now is focused full-time at safety. So Jamar, I mean, all he needs to play is like the penny, and he's he's gotten like all the the currencies out of the way. But he has. he's had, He's been at multiple spots. Then he's had some injuries. You look at last season, right, COVID year, weird year. But I think he only played in one game. I think he played in the LSU game last year, and that was it. And then he comes into this year spring. He's at nickel some, but he's a little banged up. And, and we know the secondary was kind of nicked up during the spring anyway. So now fully focused in at safety. He's trimmed down. His weight has fluctuated at times to where he's been anywhere from 205 to 225, something like that. I think he said he was, don't have it in my notes, 210, 215, somewhere around there at this point. And, and looks, has the look of a safety. Now, some may think, hey, you know, what's up with this linebacker playing safety? You know, Jamar, the book on him coming out of high school, and we saw it in camp one year when he camped at South Carolina. more of a coverage guy. And so this is – he seems more comfortable there. Him talking about it at the media day, he said he felt like he was kind of in the right element with the other guys around him at safety. So it will be interesting to watch the progression there.
0: Yeah, well, man, and I, you know, I think um, with Jamar, smart kid, well-liked. I believe, within the program has all – you've always heard he works hard. So, he'll, he'll put everything into that. He's got all, all the intangible stuff is there. And he just – man, like you said, he really didn't play last year. He Wasn't he one of those that was caught up in that whole, like, we we hope to get Jamar back this date. That date he gets here, not back. Hope to get him back That – y'all, he's cleared now, but he hasn't practiced at all. So it was like, it was just kind of like a one thing after another um, for, for him, you know, Shride Green, he went down game one, I think. Then he go down against Tennessee and then was like, never back out there. So yeah. a, a lot for these kids to go through, man, but uh, a, a fresh slate, uh, however you want to say it, a new opportunity. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see what Jamar can do. And I, I I think they're, they're pro- there have to be some growing pains, I'm sure, man, to, to making that transition. But I think at the very least, this is the kid that's going to help you tremendously on special teams as well. I mean, I remember Pete Limbo being like, like singling him out this past spring as one of the guys, because Jamar was banged up this past spring, that he couldn't wait to sort of get out there and see a, a bit more. So, you know, there are some guys on this defense, Chris, that maybe we don't have a great feel for exactly what to expect from them, be it that they're at a new position, be it that they're young, be it that they're a transfer. You know, Jordan Strong, he comes in. We didn't get to see him at all in the spring. So what what are proper expectations for a guy like Jordan Strong? What are proper expectations for Jamar Brown? Is he going to be a guy that, like, truly plays and is? you know, rotating in, or is he more of, like, a a reserve that goes in, you know, in games that are out of hand and plays a lot of special teams? There are still a lot of questions as far as what the rotation of this defense is going to be that I don't
1: feel like we have answered yet at all. Yeah, that's a good question, And, and there's so many guys that, offensively and defensively, and then you throw those into special teams, too, there's just been all these different factors that have, you know, hindered progress. So, I mean, the three wide receivers on Monday were a great example of that. And and Josh Van and, you know, Chad Terrell and uh, Jalen Brooks, I mean, these are guys that have all had different paths. They've been around for different amounts of time, but, you know, and have, have had different journeys, but have been hindered by one thing or another, a variety of factors, you know. Uh, that same thing applies to defense with Jamar. You know, when you played, you're basically on your fourth position now, um, you know, or fifth, really. I mean, Will, Sam, and Dime at South Carolina under the previous staff played some nickel under this staff and now at safety, you know, played multiple positions. Um, And so that can hinder you. Right. And then also the fact that you've been banged up, you know, you're banged up in the spring under this staff, banged up last season you know, did get him back for one game and that was it. And so that, that makes it tough on a guy, but he's in that boat, you know, Mo young player, right? I mean, he's, he's a guy that's in that boat for a different reason. You've got transfers who are new to the program. You got a guy like Sherrod green, who's never been able to put it together because, Hey, maybe he would have had a big year last year, a really productive season. You lose him early and you don't get him back. Now it's a new staff, new scheme. He's playing the mic position. So, there are all these different factors to where, if you're South Carolina, if you can keep everybody healthy and if everybody acclimates, you may be able to get some good production um, out of some of these guys. I think, Wes, when you look at the D-line, like you mentioned, you know integrating Jordan Strong, yeah, I, I've still got questions, too, about how that happens. But for Mike Peterson, he he's – he and Jimmy Lindsay are the two guys on the staff that are walking around. they you know, probably third Montario Hardesty in there and and Eric Henry. But those are the guys that are walking around feeling pretty good. You know, they're a little bit more carefree, not as worried. You know, Mike Peterson, I still remember asking him at Media Day, how do you feel in third and eight? And he, I mean, he couldn't hold back his smile. He said, I feel pretty good. Because you got, got JJ Anabare, who was the second leading stat guy in the SEC last year. Aaron Sterling back for another year. He's dependable. Jordan Birch, a former five-star, by the way, yeah, Jordan Strong, who led the country in sacks last year. So interesting group. And and there are others, you know, that could end up contributing. So good problem to have there. At some other spots, it's more about finding the pieces that definitely fit in in the depth. Yeah. Yeah. Different
0: conversations at some of the other spots. Let's be completely frank and completely honest. Um, I I think Greg Atkins probably feels pretty decent about his group. I I think there's still progress to be made, especially in pass pro um, there. But, Chris, I think that's one of those things, going up against Enigbare, Birch, Strong, Sterling, that can only help your tackles as far as uh, getting better in pass pro. You're seeing some of the best guys you're going to see every single day right there in practice. So, that, that, that's always a good thing, man. And uh, so let's try to tie this all together with a couple of questions here. Um, who's getting starting reps at wide receiver? No really, su- no real surprise there, I would say. The, the guys that got the most love in the spring as far as stepping up, being leaders, in the open portions we've seen anyway, it, it's been the same guy turn out there first string to carry on. Whether it's a three wide or a two tight end set, I mean – Chris, if South Carolina was playing a college football game tomorrow, I i mean, I think that's a safe bet, that if they were in three wide, it's probably Jalen Brooks, the carry-on joiner, and Josh Vann, I think. Those are the three that are running out there. And Nick Hughes is going to be the tight end. And if they're in two tights instead of uh, three wide, Jaheim Bell is probably going out there on the field. And I i would guess Marshawn Lloyd is probably in the backfield if you know, with Kevin Harris currently being out. So, um, dude, I I actually haven't talked to you about this. I've started to actually hear, and some, some people are going to maybe roll their eyes, there is a little Josh Van buzz starting to hit in camp, making some plays, flashing that ability. I know people are going to wait and see mode. That's That's fine. That's fine. I get it. I'm Kind of there, too. But, you know, we, we've talked about him a lot on the show and how you and I sort of we, – we really liked what we saw out of high school. He doesn't have to be Debo Samuel in order to help this team. Can he get open, catch the football when it's thrown to him, and do the little things? I wasn't there for his offensive availability. You were – seemed like he's maybe in a good headspace about everything. Seem like all the receivers are that we've heard from him. Um, but man, that even if he can just be that third receiver type,
1: would be really good for this group. Well, and, and when you look at Josh Van, there are some guys, and I'll just be honest that you look at as a player from a talent perspective, and you just wonder how much they can help, and it doesn't have anything to do with their headspace, like you said, Wes, or or anything other than, is that guy good enough to contribute to this team? Is he good enough to get open against high-level competition? There's not that worry with Josh. Has he done it yet? No. But you do know that the talent's there. We saw it in high school. He's flashed it even in in high-level competition games. He's very much flashed it. Has he been inconsistent? Absolutely. And I think one thing that you look at is, You know, again, I'll go back to the term I used the other day with with Brooks, Terrell, and Josh Van honesty hour. They all kind of very much went into detail on those things. I thought it was really cool. I mean, they were confident enough to get up there and kind of talk about what things that had happened in the past, some of those struggles, and how they kind of got past them. And for Josh, it was – he was banged up last season. Uh, His sophomore year, he slumped badly. Nobody really knows why that was Um, his freshman year. He showed some flashes and he was behind some guys, you know, at that time. So he admitted, Hey, I didn't have the best attitude about sitting behind guys. Josh was kind of used to being the man in high school, made a ton of plays. And so I think for him getting that kind of refresh, that restart and then being counted on where, you know, you're, and not that he was gifted it; he's earned it. But you know that you are going to play a lot. Okay, you are not going to play maybe week to week. You are not going to play maybe if this guy goes down. You are going to play. The team is counting on you. And he was all smiles on Monday during the media availability. He he talked very frankly about it, but he did, like you said, Wes, seem to be in a good headspace. So if if his confidence can build through practice, that could be a significant uh, piece for this team because he is. When you look at this receiver group, natural talent-wise, he's up there as probably one of the best guys. Now they just have to tap into that.
0: Yeah, uh, somebody somebody asked basically – let me see if I can find it again, y'all. I'm trying to go through the chat here. Is Joyner or Van in the slot in a three-wide receiver set? I actually don't know the answer to that, Erwin. Do you know, Chris? I,
1: I can't remember who they had where. I think based on um, and, and they may change it up some. That's one of the things we've talked about a lot. Marcus Satterfield's offense is you know moving pieces around. Um, some of the formations that we saw this week, I think I remember Van being more in the slot in those three wides. But we'll we'll kind of double check all that. Um, go back, we'll go back and watch the tape, Wes. That's something we can do. Uh, yeah, we can say that now. Uh, yeah.
0: That now. I, I hope I don't start having connection issues. I'm getting that alert again. Um, shout out Spectrum, as always. I'm going to start naming <laughs> them, whatever. Uh, shout out to my friend Grace. Grace swirls is listening on Facebook. What's up, Grace? Um, JT wants to know, where is EJ Jenkins on the depth chart? Um, he has flashed Sydney slash Alshon tendencies. See, that's a big sentence already, JT. I, I think we got we, we to gotta be fair to EJ, first of all we start putting him in greatest of all time level conversation that's a bit much but as far as projected top 5 receivers now i don't i don't think you can say he fell off in camp uh, that was your question there but really it is still a little bit strange to me that even at media day he had um, th- they had these like place cards put out and it said EJ Jenkins wide receiver you know, and then he was asked, Dave Kloniger was like, are you a wide receiver or a tight end? He's like, both. And Dave's like, well, what do you play? And he's like, 50-50. Yep. Yeah. Every single time we've been there, he's been with the tight ends. Yeah. And we know he's in the tight end room most of the time. Yeah. So, hes I, I don't consider him a wide
1: receiver anymore. I consider him a tight end who is going to be flexed out quite yeah. a bit. Well, and somebody asked me that today on the Insiders Forum. They asked, what is the split for how much EJ is going to play at receiver and tight end this year? I said, it depends on what you consider him on any given play. Like you said, he's in the tight end room, but we know that a staple of this offense is going to be utilizing the tight end and moving the tight ends around in different ways. So if you see EJ Jenkins in the slot or if you see EJ Jenkins split out in on a regular player red zone situation, what do you, what do you say he is? You can say he's playing tight end, a flexed out tight end right now. You could say that, or you could say he's playing a slot tight end, or you could say he's playing slot receiver or outside receiver. It's all semantics really. Um, he's kind of a guy that he's in the tight end room. He's learning those concepts, but what they're going to ask him to do at tight end is much more of the receiver kind of responsibilities. He's not going to go in there and play the Nick Muse role where he's going to have his hand in the ground and be in the, the C area, and helping block people. Like that's not going to be as much as game. When you see EG, EJ Jenkins out there, you can think here comes EJ Jenkins from the tight end room, right? You can think that, uh, but he's going to be split out or in the slot or what have you, much more. So, really, semantics as far as what he is—he's a pass catcher for this team.
0: Yes, and I—I I tend to go by what room is he in. Uh, and Kevin, rightfully so, says, "Couldn't you say the same thing about Bell?" Yeah, I mean, Bell, Bell, and EJ are almost in a position on their own. I feel like they're—they're they're athletes. You got—you got you to be creative. You got to find ways to get them the football. Um, Goal line, yeah, split EJ out wide. Now, Bell and EJ, even though they are very versatile players, they are different skill sets as far as how they will be used. You're not going to see EJ Jenkins, all 6'11 of them is what he looks like standing beside Shane Beamer out there. Um, You're not going to see him lining up in the backfield. Right. Bell, you legitimately could see him get a handle like you could see him in the backfield as a running back. You could see him in an H-back type role. EJ I think it's going to be more about either flexed out in the slot or even I think down goal line situations you're going to get him as you're going to spread him out as far as possible and make teams decide am I am I going to take my linebacker out of the box and move him out there like with that guy like he's a tight end. Am I going to put a cornerback out there when my cornerback's probably going to be giving up? Lord knows how much height and weight to this kid. And if I'm South Carolina, I'm just going – speaking of Alshon earlier, I'm going to Steve Spurrier. We'll throw three straight fades over there if we have to. Um, And EJ's going to catch one of them. So, yeah, it's kind of one of those things. How, How creative can you get as an offensive group To where you're able to use that creativity, but keep it simple enough on the kind of uh, player side, in my opinion. So it still works within like the cohesiveness of your entire scheme, your entire playbook. But you're getting creative and finding ways to get them the football. To me, that is the key. That is one of the keys to South Carolina offensively this year. the other key is always, always going to be quarterback. Luke Doty coming on first year as the full-time starter. Someone asked who's the second-team quarterback. Chris, I, I believe most accurately we can probably say both guys are rotating in. Jason Brown was working with the second-team group when we were out there. Um, in that one period. Yes. Yes, very <laughs> clear. Colton yeah. Goffier also been taking second-team reps. There, There's – really a continued battle there, I I think, at that spot as far as different guys rotating in. um, You know, Colt, they they seem, as you pointed out, man, they do seem very, very high on Colton Gothier. Not even just on his future, but sort of on his now. As far as, like, he is in the mix. I think people assume that Gothier will be third team. Well, he was second team in the spring for a reason. Yeah, so – Yes, he, he is firmly in the mix for that second team job. Um, let's see. What else do we want to hit on, man? By the way, this is, this is kind of random, but I have a reason. I saw on Twitter a poll that said 40% of Americans polled believed that they were in shape enough and athletic enough to compete in an Olympic sport at the Olympic level. And for some reason, when I was grabbing the photo for the show today, and I saw how high. Um, I believe that's Dom. Is Dom Hill 18 on the white side? Chris? um.
1: Yeah, it should be.
0: But I, I saw the height of these two dudes jumping and it just sort of clicked in my head, man. And I just it just like reminds you how how athletic you have to be in general to play college football. And also looking at this secondary man, if you're if you're Tory and Gray, <laughs> it probably is a little bit scary because you got so many moving parts and pieces. But I do think there is some young ability in this secondary. Um, Dominic Hill took some first-team reps uh, in the spring game, I believe. So there there are some guys. It's going to take time to get the secondary where it needs to be. But we'll see. Marcellus Dow, again, the the book on him when he first got here, man, was this kid – is beyond being athletic enough. Like he is a Supreme athlete. He's still just learning to play the position at this level and get comfortable. He's, he's taking first team reps for all the open portions that we've seen. That's a good sign for him. He's going to be a big part of this secondary. They've got now obviously Chris, they've got to get cam Smith back healthy. That's, yeah. that's massive. Cam, ha- cam had a good off season from everything I heard. They've got to get him back out there, but if you're Torian Gray, we we were talking about sort of how Mike P feels, how Greg Atkins feels. How are you feeling right now if you're Torrey and Gray? Because you've got you've got you've got at least your numbers, right? Like you've got your quantity of guys. Oh, yeah, yeah. But and you probably have some guys that are flashing lots of ability at times. And then you're probably having plays where they remind you, <laughs> you're like, oh man, this guy hasn't played. So Tor- Torian Gray is going to earn his paycheck this
1: preseason. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, and, and to answer the question, if I'm Torian, I'm, I'm probably, you know, not feeling as stable as some of those other coaches that you've mentioned as far as the confidence level. Um, and it's not a, a shortage of bodies, like you said, it's not a problem in that regard. It's not going to be like in the spring game when they were nicked up in the secondary, when they didn't have some additions there to add to the roster. Uh, where you're playing a walk-on guy who would just join the team as a corner. You know, you're not in that spot right now, but you are in a spot where you need to get healthy, stay healthy. You need everybody on the roster to be there um, at all points, <laughs> and you need to be able to go play ball. So there are guys – I mean, look, J- Jalen Dickerson was in the 2017 class. He has not played a lot of ball. I mean, has he even played the equivalent of a full season? Serious question. Um, I'm not sure if he has. I'll have to go back and, and look. But he hasn't played a lot of ball at South Carolina, even though he's, from a program standpoint, been around a long time. Um, he's healthy right now. He's out there. Saw him. It's taken some second-team reps at safety. You know, Jalen Foster. Jalen Foster hasn't even played a ton of ball. He played a lot last year, uh, former walk-on. Uh, he's taken first-team reps. You know, R.J. Roger. can he become more consistent? So when you're looking at the secondary – there are just more questions. You, you don't say, okay. Here are the starters. We feel good about the starters. Here are the backups. We feel really good about the backups. How, you know, how are you going to integrate them? When do we use this guy and where? You don't feel that way about the secondary. There, there's still kind of more questions and answers. Not a shortage of bodies, uh, but still some concerns there and some guys that you got to bring along. Some guys you got to get healthy.
0: Uh, Travis, good question. Wants to know if, if Isaiah Norris is on campus. That's actually a good reminder, Chris. We probably need to check on that. I haven't checked. Um, we, we did not see him at practice. I'll say it like this. We did not see him. That doesn't mean because they have, like, the quote, injured. And it, he he would not be cleared right away would be my anticipation because you have an acclimation period. There is a chance he was in – he was just not on the field potentially because I know they expected him in uh, by this past weekend. We will effort that one. Not positive on that, but that is a good reminder. Uh, with everything else going on, for us to check on that and see. Because now I, I still, it's going to be hard to get in at this point, and just be expected to go play a ton. But obviously, adding another talented guy at DB would be good for South Carolina. So that, yeah, thanks again for the reminder. Speaking of reminders, here's our reminder on our uh, Gamecock Central kickoff party coming up Friday, August twentieth. Chris, it is almost here, man. We, uh, we, we're we getting prepared, y'all. It, it is, there's been a lot of behind-the-scenes work that's going into this, so I can't wait to see everybody out there, man. And uh, 7 o'clock, Friday, August 20th, so that's not this Friday, but next Friday, it is at Steel Hands Brewing. That's in Casey, South Carolina, right off of I-77. It says 7 p.m., but actually, we are going to be out there before that, 107.5, the game will be out there before that. You can come out and, and meet their hosts. Uh, Chris and I will be doing sort of an informal football Q&A and recurring Q&A in the VIP tent at 6 p.m. Um, Preston Thorne, Langston Moore will be out there uh, talking about their book and hanging out talking ball. Preston is actually going to run our uh, former player panel, which I think that's what, that's what I'm most excited about as far as the pre-music part of this, Chris. Um We've we've still been working on some different which players are going to be there. Right now, though, um, from what I understand, uh, good chance. And admittedly, we're, what, 10 days away, nine days away. Sometimes guys have things that come up. So that's why we have not been pushing the names out there as much as we probably will once we get a little bit closer. But so far, we're looking at uh, probably having uh, Mo Brown out. Corey Miller out. Uh, Pops Frisbee is going to be out. Um, I think Courtney Levitt's going to be there. We're working on Ryan Brewer. We're working on Garcia. Um, are your two guys uh, good for me to go ahead and say, you think, Chris?
1: Yeah, yeah. It uh, looks
0: like- TJ Johnson, who uh, God, played as much as anybody in South Carolina history, the Iron Man there, uh, Brian Maddox, uh, he'll be out um, as long as nothing comes up. So we're, we're still working through some some guys, and um, Perry was going to come out. Perry Orth, good friend of the show, he was going to come out, but they actually have a game that night. He's coaching ball at AC Florida, so Perry uh, Perry's going to try to swing by at the end of the night if um, if he can. Michael Scarnecki is going to try to swing by at some point. So, um, and if you are a former player listening. You are invited, so come on out. It's going to be a blast. It's going to be fun, and hopefully, um, everybody on the I see I see everybody commenting right now during the show. We we need y'all to come out. We've been uh, planning this thing for a while. I'm ready to put some names with some faces, and uh, or some faces with some names, and uh, and let's all hang out, and have a good time, and of course, Patrick Davis is going to sort of finish off the night. Amazing, amazing performer, singer, songwriter. He'll be out there with, a, with his midnight choir. They'll be going on probably right around 830. So that's sort of the, the main event uh, there
1: of the evening. Chris, I'm pumped, man. going to be a great night. Like you said, lots of planning going into it. Really hope everyone can come out. Reminder, free event. So don't look at it and say, I don't want a VIP ticket. I can't get a VIP ticket. If you can't, no problem. Come on out, free event. Most elements of the show are going to be yeah. free. The little recruiting Q&A, Wes mentioned, it will be in the VIP tent. We hope you'll look at the VIP tickets. They are probably going to be well worth it, in my opinion. You do get some cool perks. Special guests will be hanging out there, drink tickets, light appetizers, tinted area, all that stuff. But if you just want to come hang out for any amount of time at Steel Hands that night for the preseason kickoff party, uh, we'll be out there. Come meet us. Come mingle with your fellow Gamecock fans. Concert, free. It's going to be an awesome night. And we're going to continue building it up. It is a little over a little less less than two weeks away, Wes. So, getting close. Yeah, well, we better be ready. It's Wednesday, man. A week from Friday.
0: Yep. It is here. So, not nine days away. Um, yeah, it's, it's going to be fun. Y'all come out. Thanks to all of our sponsors, by the way, that have – made this thing possible without you, we literally would not be having the event. So, um, definitely worth mentioning that, uh, you know what, Chris, I'm, I'm going to give our sponsors a little bit of love right now because we literally would not be able to have this event without, them. uh, Columbia SC sports and the folks that experienced Columbia, uh, Chris, we got courtyard by Marriott uh, that's Columbia downtown hotel at USC Fairfield by Marriott. That's the Columbia Northwest Harbison area. Spring Hill Suites by Marriott. That's Columbia downtown in the Vista. Um, we got uh, Pasco, quality workmanship and service uh, in Charleston, Columbia, and Atlanta. Our friends at 107.5 The Game, of course. Again, they'll be out there. Um, our friends at Signorama, um, they're handling all of our signage and banners. Our friends at Lawyer Lisa, um, Whiskey Jam Whiskey. Air Restoration, Heating and Cooling, and Ashera Paints. Uh, That's Ashera Paints uh, is also one of our silver sponsors. And um, also, if you're still in the market for a tailgating spot, uh, this is a brand-new sponsor that we just had in. They still have some sponsorships. Excuse me. They still have some tailgating spots available. Let me give you the exact address. Y'all hang with me. At Game Day Place, 936A South Stadium Road tailgating spots are still available for 2021. Call the number 843-693-3705. 843-693-3705. Again, dude, sorry for the sponsor dump on y'all, but we owe it to these sponsors for making this party happen. So all we ask, we we don't accept sponsorships from just anybody. Like these are all people we trust. These are all people that, Um, we have vouched for, so please do us a favor. Repay the love and and support these sponsors because uh, they they have made the event possible. Uh, Somebody asked earlier, I want to hit on this real quick, Chris. Somebody asked earlier, does it seem like recruiting has slowed down? Um, In a way, yes, it has, but that's kind of because it's slowed down for everybody. Right now, it is a dead period. Recruits can't be on your campus. Coaches aren't going to visit recruits. Everybody's in preseason football mode. And, Chris, you know, frankly, with, with the run South Carolina had, as far as the numbers go, it was going to have to slow down at some point because you start running out of room in the class.
1: Yeah, you couldn't – I mean, the, the one span, what was it, 11 commitments in 11 days, something like that. Not a sustainable pace. You know, you're not going to keep that up. So a few factors there. I mean, you're looking at seven spots left in the class, so naturally – Things are going to clamp down, tighten up a little bit, Um, and then the dead period. You know, the entire month of August is dead, so no coaches on the road, uh, no prospects coming to a school's campus. So September 1, it reopens again. Uh, High school football will be in swing by then, so you will see the coaches going out on the road to go to games of targets. Um, You'll see them evaluating some guys, for instance, at running back West. Going to go and get a good look at some running backs. You'll see the coaches out seeing some of the top guys. Antonio Williams, Dutch Fork, you'll see coaches at his games. Oscar Delp and Georgia, tight end, you'll see coaches at his games. And then in September, of course, South Carolina will be hosting some prospects on campus for uh, some official visits will be sprinkled in there, and then game visits for prospects from 22, 23 to 24 classes. So, um, yeah, it'll, it'll pick up a little bit more then. As far as the commitment pace, you're not going to see a pace like we saw this summer at any point in this class. That that kind of flurry is over just because of the number of slots. But more activity as far as visits and evaluation stops by the coaches, that'll all ramp back up in September.
0: Yeah, so I was over there, Chris, at Dutch Fork, um, watched actually Dutch Fork scrimmage in Greenville, which was an interesting scrimmage to be at because, dude, there there's talent. Like, there's talent on both of those teams. And so got a, got a chance to look at Antonio again. Um, You know, scrimmage setting is different than the game setting. But uh, talk to him. He's still kind of slowly just moving through the recruiting process. Spoke very highly of his two visits to South Carolina. Still South Carolina and Ole Miss. You know, he's not naming, quote, favorites as far as cutting it down to two. But whenever a kid has just two official visits set, you're kind of giving away where it is right now to an extent. And so I I still think those are still the two programs that are strongest. I get a South Carolina vibe there, Chris. Ole Miss, again, we've said it like this, you cannot discount Ole Miss. Like you can't say that they don't have a shot because they do. My vibe, based on things I've heard, based on what I've heard about how the teams involved feel as well, I, I, lean, I still lean South Carolina for Antonio Williams. And after watching him out there move around again, it is further confirmed in my mind that the Gamecocks absolutely need this kid on their roster for next year.
1: No doubt. Huge priority. Talented kid. Hometown kid um, in, in terms of him playing. You know, not a guy that's a Columbia through-and-through through guy, but does play a Dutch Fork. And so that makes him a huge priority. And so uh, Travis Edwards asked if it's Williams or Hyatt that will be at IMG. That's Devin Hyatt, 2023 class, is transferring, has transferred to IMG. Antonio Williams still at Dutch Fork will play his senior season there. And so, yeah, super talented guy. We'll see if anything else gets set for him, Wes, in the way of visits. He's kind of left that door open for this fall. But like you said, those two are the main ones vying for him. And and I do think South Carolina – continues as they have had uh, they have a great shot with with Antonio Williams and and they do need him on this roster
0: yeah Travis asked is it Williams or Hyatt that's at IMG that is Hyatt Um, Antonio Williams is still at Dutch Fork he'll finish off his career there actually he's going to play basketball understand there as well so he'll uh he'll have football then he'll finish out his his basket basketball career at Dutch Fork and then he'll go from there Chris there's another kid at Dutch Fork, by the way. And dude, I mean, Dutch Fork always is gonna have talent. But and Chris, you pay more attention to to all the guys in the state than I do because you have Palmetto preps as well. Have you watched much of the Dutch Fork running back, Jarvis Green?
1: Yeah, he he's he's a really good player. Really good player. And they always have young receivers. They do have another young receiver there, even without Devin Hyatt on the roster. But yeah, Green, good player. Good yeah, Nick, Nick
0: Soule, um, so. the guy that has a chance to have a really big, um, you know, upperclassman year there. But, man, this Jarvis Green kid, I don't – it was one scrimmage. But I don't think he's getting – I don't think he's gotten the love yet in recruiting that is probably coming his way. There may be even a little bit of just, oh, is it the system? Like, they're always good there, potentially holding him back. I don't know. They're obviously – there was no in-person eval last year for for college coaches, but th- this dude before this year is over, I think Jarvis Green is going to see his recruitment take off. Very impressed. He he put a move on two guys in the open field for Greenville that w- was just nasty. So mark mark that name down. I think he's a twenty twenty three. So he still has two years left, I believe. Chris, can you shake your head yes or no, or you're not sure?
1: <laughs> uh, I couldn't quite remember. Not
0: okay. don't have for you. I'm I'm 92% sure that he's a class of 2023. Um, all right, yeah, Fred. If you we uh, we did talk about Jordan Strong some to start the show. Uh, we talked a little bit about the Edge guys. If you want to rewind it on on YouTube, we hit that up to what 245 pounds. Uh, a kid that. Uh, I mean, that's a great sign for him. He's really kind of put everything he has into the strength and nutrition side of things. That's part of the reason he came to South Carolina was because of those resources that South Carolina has. By all indications, uh, that entire, you know, Kristen Coggins and that entire nutrition group do a fantastic job. What, What did you, real quick here, Chris, what did you think about Jordan Strong sort of being like, I don't like being called a pass rusher.
1: <laughs> Good sign. Good. Um, you know, I thought that was cool that he he didn't want to be kind of a one trick pony, and he brought up something interesting, and that was you know he's a guy who has a DB background, like out of high school, Camden County, he was a six foot four, one hundred and ninety pound safety prospect. You know, so this is a guy that now when you look from high school to now, he's gained fifty five pounds you know, um, always had the kind of the body type that could put it on. You look at him now and he doesn't look weird, you know, or misshaped or anything. It looks like a natural progression for him. So, um, yeah, so he, he's, he's got kind of that versatility to him. He's not a, just a lifelong defensive lineman. He has transitioned to that spot. So um, he was a little bit more serious and about his business in that in that media setting. But I thought that was a good sign. Now, obviously, rushing the passer is something South Carolina is going to count on him to do. And I will say, you know, if he wants to take his game to the next level and become an even better two-way player, now this weight that he has added, you know, will help him hold up better at the point, and it will help him in his pass rush exploits at this level.
0: Yeah, if he uh, – man, if he has a big year at the SEC level, that is going to be one of those uh, – that's going to be one of those stories that they like tell at the draft, right? Like, well, this guy came in as a safety, walk on at Georgia State, then he transferred to South Carolina. He's put on over 50, yeah. you know, it's like that's one of those stories that you can't project that. Like, you can't look at a guy that's a safety and be like, "Hey, this guy's one day going to be an edge player in the SEC." Yeah. But when it happens, it's an awesome story. You see that, I feel like we see that happen in the Big Ten with, like, tight ends who are 202 pounds and then they grow into NFL offensive tackles. And it's like you can't project the guy's going to gain 100 pounds, but when it happens, um, sometimes you find yourself a gym. So we'll see if that happens for South Carolina this year. If Strong can can live up to, to what he did last year and and maybe continue to add other elements to his game. All right, y'all, that's going to do it. We're pretty much out of time for Chris Clark. I'm Wes Mitchell. We'll be back on Friday. Um, hold on one second. Somebody said, can we put that number in the chat? You think they're talking about the um, the tailgate spot? Maybe. Did we talk about any other numbers?
1: Not unless it's a number of some kind of stat
0: that we were talking about. True, 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 true. Um, let's see. Hang tight. Hey, whoever said that, I can't see the chat right now. Whoever said that, tell me what you're talking about, and I'll put it in here if if that's what you mean. Um the number, if you're looking for that tailgating spot, the number is 843-693-3705. Um, that is uh, for game day, game day place. So I, I'll put that in the chat right now. Um all right, y'all. Appreciate it. It was fun. We had a blast. Hope you did too. We'll see you all on Friday. Have a good one.
1: Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere.